people of San Francisco are trying to have it both ways. Now, even though San Francisco was only a, uh, a town with only about 6% fellas and lovely ladies in it, just about every nook and cranny of the criminal justice system up there is crammed with fellas and lovely ladies wildly out of proportion. Many of whom live in San Francisco, many of whom live on the other side of the Bay, Oakland, Richmond, Berkeley, and they come to San Francisco to apply their trade and through one accident or another, they sometimes get caught. And when that happens, the people of San Francisco, they look at the criminal and they know right away that if it's a fella, he's a victim of some very large socioeconomic forces over which they have no control. And yes, people in San Francisco actually think like that and say these things when they ignore black crime and violence. And people on the street who are ruining the city of San Francisco, oh yes, that is another place where black people are wildly overrepresented. It's a place where the people of San Francisco just look at it and go, oh my God, that's horrible. We got to do something about it. And they always have these meetings. And at the end, of you know, somewhere in the meeting, somebody's always saying, well, if we're going to do something about all this ridiculous crime, violence, dirt, feces, needles, unspeakable things on the streets of San Francisco that nobody can believe there that are there. If we're going to do something about them, at some point we actually have to do something to the people who are causing them to be there. That's when everybody in San Francisco freaks out about the socioeconomic forces and we cannot do anything to those angels except, well, except talk about how we're going to get them all fixed up at some uncertain date in the future so everything just keeps going on and on and on. We saw this little drama play out just a couple days ago. They had an election for the district attorney of San Francisco. So the, the stakes were high. They had a, they had a uh, left-wing uh, uh, person supported by the mayor, and they had a super left-wing slash anarchist person who was a public defender supported by all the nut jobs up there. I know, that doesn't, I know. Believe me, there's lots of overlap between these true groups. Anyway, that guy's name is Chesa Bodine. He he won the race. We did a little bit about him last week, so we won't repeat it other than to say uh, his parents were, were active members of the Weather Underground. They killed a couple cops. His mom just got out of jail in 2003. His dad's still in there. He was raised by his parents' comrades in communism, comrades in the, con in the Confederacy of the Weather Underground. Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. When I mentioned the word Bill Ayers last time on this podcast, I had somebody chide me for saying, hey, Colin, you forgot to mention that Bill Ayers and Barack Obama were big buddies. I know, sometimes I think, I didn't forget it. I didn't mention it on purpose. I thought a lot of people were aware of that connection that Barack Obama was big buddies with Bill Ayers, who was part of the Weather Underground, who was accused and who was released on a technicality 
for some very, very bad business involving bombing. And remember that famous story in 2009-11? Yeah, literally the day of the 9-11, 9-11, the Twin Tower bombings, the New York story, New York Times does a story with Bill Ayers. He's writing a book. And they go, well, do you uh, you know, regret all the violence and harm that you caused while you were a weatherman? Bill Ayers said, no, i just, just sorry we didn't do more. When he got off, he went out on the front steps and he told the reporters, guilty as hell, free as a bird, guilty as hell, what a country. So this is the guy who raised the new, so Bill, Bill, Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, they are the people who raised this Chesa Bodine. He's the guy going around San Francisco telling everybody, quote, we will not prosecute cases involving quality of life crimes. Crimes such as public camping, offering or soliciting sex, public urination, blocking a sidewalk, etc. They should not and will not be prosecuted. Many of these crimes are still being prosecuted. We have a long way to go to decriminalize poverty and homelessness. Look, somewhere between the police state of uh, people getting caned, as they do in Malaysia, for, for, for spitting their bubble gum on the sidewalk, and this vision of Chase Bodine of letting the losers take over your city because you don't feel like you have the moral authority to stop them from peeing and defecating on your streets and using drugs right in front of the restaurant windows. Isn't there somewhere in the middle where we could say, hey, uh, listen, you guys got problems. I know. Do what you want to do what you have to do. Just don't do it here. Maybe that's how they got to San Francisco in the first place. Everybody is saying, and the other parts of the country are saying, do what you need to do. We're not going to, we, maybe we won't put you in jail for that here. Just go out to San Francisco. Hell, they'll make you, they'll give you the key to the city out there for doing that. So now everybody in San Francisco, we're going to do two stories today of San Francisco where people are going, hey, what's up with the crime around here? And they look surprised. They spent the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years building up institutions where they glorify crime, marginalize the victims, elevate the predator, and now they look around and they go, hey, man, we got a lot of crime here. We just cannot stop. What are we going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Well, let's get some more cops in there. What's the difference? Somebody, I saw, somebody sent me an email this morning about St. Louis. He goes, Colin, I'm starting a campaign. Put two cops in one car. What's the damn difference? You could have a thousand cops in one car. When you get them in the court, if the judges decide what you accuse them of doing is not really against the law anymore. What's the damn difference? These judges and these, these people who run the police departments have so much discretion now. You know, so much discretion. If you steal somebody's computer, you know, that's either a felony or you could just somehow devalue it till it becomes just stealing something only worth a couple of hundred dollars. And that's not even worth the cop's time. So much of that going on. The this people who run these cities have just told us time and time again, we're not going to arrest our way out of this mess. 
And this all is underpinned by this criminal justice reform, right? Too many black people in prison, too many reasons whatsoever. Can't arrest them, can't keep them in jail if we accidentally do have to arrest them. And if they end up in prison, we can't keep them in there that long. And then as soon as they get out, we start the cycle all over again. Hi, this is Colin Flaherty. I'm the author of Don't Make the Black Kids Angry. Available on Smashwords, not Amazon. Guess why? Might be back on Amazon soon, so hold on tight to that. Ditto for White Girl Bleed A Lot. That uh, just came out on audio. Thanks, everybody, for the kind comments about reading it. Anyway, here we talk about black violence, black criminality, wildly out of proportion. How so many people are surrounding it in denial, deceit, and delusion. And how we expose that without racism, without rancor, without apology. We expose it as the greatest lie of our generation, the greatest hoax of our lifetime. And this San Francisco thing, it's just too easy for us. I mean, this is a once great city that is just plunging off the cliff. And you got this new district attorney, almost like Slim Pickens, right in that, what was that movie, uh, Stanley Kubrick movie, uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove. I, have a, I just have an image of this new district attorney riding, like Slim Pickens, riding that nuclear bomb down into Moscow going, yee-haw, he's, he's like at the peak of his life, even as you know, everything he believes in is about to destroy a lot of stuff everybody else believes in. Oh yeah, if you have any question about what that election was really all about, whatever Chesa, whatever, however often he hit the mute button in San Francisco, his followers around the country knew exactly what was at stake. Everybody from Sean King, yeah, the white guy who pretends he's a black guy and everybody pretends they, they, they pretend along with him. He, he, he's all down with this new guy. Bernie Sanders sent out a, a tweet. Quote, now is the moment to fundamentally transform our racist and broken criminal justice system by ending mass incarceration, failed war on drugs, and the criminalization of poverty. Congratulations, Chase Bodine, on your historic victory. So Bernie Sanders doesn't have any trouble figuring out what Chase is all about, neither does Sean King. Neither do lots of people in San Francisco. Too many black people in jail for no reason whatsoever. Okay, so I know they're saying that, um, you know, the economist, people who are economists by trade, they're always having trouble. Well, one of, their, one of their tools of their trade is distinguishing between what people say and what people do. I mean, I mean, they don't really care. I mean, pollsters have to do the same thing, good pollsters. If they call you up and say, hey, did you vote in the last election? I mean, people lie. They'll just say, oh, hell yeah, I voted. Nobody wants to be, be the kind of person who you know, didn't vote. But there are lists, and these are public lists, lists of people who voted in the last election or three of the last four or four of the last five. I mean, we know who voted and who didn't. And so now we now the people now the people and so and so the economists call that a revealed preference. 
between what you say you want and what you really want. Well, the people in San Francisco, they want they don't want criminals to ruin their Valhalla. No, they're not going to catch the criminals or chase the criminals. They're just going to pretend they're not criminals. This whole thing about breaking into cars, this is now a uniquely San Francisco institution because the fellas know everybody drives to San Francisco with their car, just like good old Colin did with a rental car. Good old Colin, the idiot, put his camera on the floor, in the back seat, went into a restaurant, put it in, pub, put it in a parking lot that had a fence and a guard. And when he came out, the ca window was shattered. The camera was gone. Why didn't I put it in the trunk? Because I'm not that bright. This was years ago. You call up, you go, hey, somebody broke into my car, did a lot of damage, stole a very nice camera. Should I wait here? Oh, no, no, we'll send you something in the mail. Oh, we got to call you back. Nobody ever called me back. Nobody ever sent me anything. That crime never happened. And now we got the people in San Francisco going, oh, we've had an uptick in car break-ins. No, you never. They're in the middle of a damn tsunami of car break-ins in San Francisco. And maybe it went from X amount, which is cr crazy higher than anywhere else in America, to X plus 10%. That's an uptick. No, it's not an uptick. Your tsunami just got a little bit higher. That's all that is. To the uptick in car break-ins. Probably 10 to 12 break-ins a week. Police are patrolling more often. They're circling more, and I know it's helped a lot. But neighbors fear thieves are becoming more brazen around the Palace of Fine Arts. Like these two men that pulled up alongside a parked vehicle, smashed the windows, and grabbed everything in sight. And they'll happen right in front of us, boldly and brazenly, in about 30 seconds, they're gone. And it's becoming more blatant. One person was actually in the car when they broke the windows. The security and safety risk to families and children is really dramatic. Worried homeowners are now coming together to try and figure out how to combat criminals running rampant in their neighborhood. They identify rental cars immediately and uh, then they break in and they also know those are people that aren't going to raise a fuss long term because they're gone. Last year, I'm taking of 016, we had 17,000 break-ins in the city. This year it's 26,000. And there is easily another 10,000 that go unreported because uh, the police just don't respond. They don't come out. Fearing their property value will decrease, neighbors are being proactive. A community meeting is set for January 4th at the Palace of Fine Arts. Then, residents plan to have a follow-up with local officials to talk about what more can be done about the high number of car break-ins. I'd hate to see a fatality, which could happen. We don't know what they're carrying, what they have with them. Reporting in San Francisco, Allie Reed, Cron 4 News. So it's really important for all of us to know. So in that video we just see, saw, that was a black thing. Car break-ins in San Francisco are a black thing. It's really important for all of us to know when we see that. I mean, what is so, you, you and I would see this video or hear it, and we would, to me, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you, you catch them, cuff them, take them downtown, put them in prison. Bing, bam, boom. And not just for six months either. Put them there for a while. That's a pretty straightforward reaction. 
But everybody in San Francisco, they see this, they see the same thing and hear the same thing we just heard. They have a totally different reaction. Yeah, if it's your car, they're out there going, oh, god damn it. That ain't right. I'm down with the cause. The cause should be down with me. Somebody else's car. Now we start doing the whole social justice warrior thing. Oh, look, we're going to lock somebody up just because he broke a car window and stole a suitcase. You're trying to tell me a $200 suitcase and a $500 window is worth two years of that guy's life? What a bad person you are. These people at the museum. Oh my God, the fellas are over here stealing stuff from our museum. Of course they are. They've been doing it for a long time. Guess what? If you didn't have private security guards at that museum, if you didn't have that place wired and camered, they wouldn't stop at the cars. They'd be in your museum stealing the rest of your crap. Taking that out and selling that too. Oh yeah, that's easy to prove whether I'm right or wrong. Just turn off your cameras. Turn off your alarm system. Turn off your air conditioning so at night you can just crank open the windows. Let's see what happens. But everybody up there is so desperate to be thought of as some kind of morally superior person that doesn't want to put anybody in jail because God knows if somebody goes around bonking people over the head and breaking into their car, isn't that a failure on our part? Didn't we fail that little fella? Didn't we fail him? Aren't we really to blame? So can't we just kind of ignore this and let it slide? Um, can't we get him some job training? I mean, that's the only reason he's there, right? Yeah, the only reason he's there. You know, the same the same time this 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 uptick story was in the paper just a couple of days ago. There's also been a couple of stories involving Chinese Asian people in San Francisco. It's the same story we've done here, there, everywhere, all over the country. But we've done it in the Bay Area. We've done a couple of times. We've done many stories about black on Chinese violence, black on Asian violence in San Francisco. We've done it in Sacramento, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Chicago, Dallas, Houston. Some places, you know, some places the, the fellas target Asian people. They, they follow them home from work. Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe they have cash. Maybe they go into the restaurant. We've done so many of these stories. In San Francisco, it's more of a street crime thing. We're going to hear about in a minute where the dirty secret of San Francisco, 80% of the violent crime on the streets of San Francisco is black on Asian robbery. Yeah, that's their dirty little secret. They went around to a bunch of Asian people and they said, hey, what do you think about this dirty little secret? They said, oh, we knew about that. But here's, you know, here's the thing. So I have a lot of friends in that area. I have a lot of Chinese immigrant friends in that area, in San Francisco, all over, a couple of dozen. And uh, I, I get a kick out of going out there and saying hello to them whenever I'm out there visiting them. And one of the, th and these people all grew up in communist China. I mean, they grew up during the Cultural Revolution, right? Some of them grew up on farms. Like, you know, they went from the city, they stuck them out on those farms, re-education camps. So they didn't think they were re-education camps. They thought they were, they were all down with the cause of Chairman Mao. Now they come over here a couple, 
couple decades later, and they're the hardest working capitalist I've ever met in my life. Anyway, so what they say is a lot of people have two views, like we almost like we were talking about a minute ago. It's like the economist between your the real your what you say you want and what you really want, your revealed preference, what you say you want to buy and what you really buy. Out in San Francisco, my Chinese friends tell me that if you keep your windows open, I mean, if you keep your curtains open so people could see in, that's acting like a communist. But if you close your curtains so nobody could see what's in there or shut your door, then you're acting like a capitalist because you're doing things which are on some level are probably forbidden in China. You're doing things like a capitalist. And I think we see a lot of that with the Chinese people you're going to see in this, these clips here. On one level, you know, they're sitting there going, hey, why, why is all this crime happening to us? Another level, they're going, uh, man, these fellas don't, aren't really into us, are they? But I'm just still waiting for the day when an Asian business leader, Asian political leader stands up and asks the question, why do so many fellas target so many Asian people for robbery and assault and murder. And until that day comes, until that day when some, but some Asian person bells the cat, I, I don't know if Asian people are ever going to stop being victims of this relentless black hostility. Dion, all three victims in this case are in their mid to late 60s. They are recovering from the attack, luckily with minor injuries. Take a look. It all happened right here on Clay Street in the heart of Chinatown. Four suspects are still at large. Sadly, this is not the first time this has happened. And we do want to warn you, the video you're about to see is graphic. I was extremely disturbed, extremely upset. Strong reaction from Chinatown residents over this disturbing incident caught on video and posted on social media. Police say a group of four male suspects beat three men and tried to rob them on Clay Street and Walter Lum Place. You can see one of the victims is punched right in the face and falls to the ground. He was out cold. Betty Louie watched the video. She's a member of the Chinatown Merchants Association. We are trying to make it a visitor-friendly um, destination. And at the same time, you get these thugs who come in and they just beat up people randomly for no reason whatsoever. It's a hate crime. Two other victims are seen being punched and knocked to the street. Moments later, the suspects take off down Clay Street in a black SUV. Over the summer, two senior citizens were brutally attacked in Chinatown in broad daylight. A 19-year-old Oakland man was arrested for the assault. What we saw last night um, is not going to be tolerated. Supervisor Aaron Peskin says police tell him the same suspects were spotted on November 8th. We do know the same car um, presumably with same individuals, was involved with a robbery, which was a aggravated purse snatching on the 700 block of Jackson on Friday night. Saturday night's attack happened at the entrance to Portsmouth Square, where senior citizens gathered day and night. Betty Louie wants all Chinatown residents to be safe, especially seniors. We can't get um, enough law enforcement behind this to at least tell these people they can't come to Chinatown and do this. 
Now, police say they have increased patrols in Chinatown. Supervisor Peskin says police are following leads tonight and could be close to making arrests. I just got an email this morning from one of our keener viewers. I don't think he likes it that much when we play a clip from an older story. He accused me of just filling up the space. Well, we did a story on this Asian thing, you know, six months ago. And uh, maybe a little bit less than that, but it's a story where we really wrapped it all up together and we took a high view and a low view and a middle view and we just kind of did a thorough job and a brief job just to remind people what the stakes are, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, who's doing the crime, who... I know, it's weird we need to be reminded of this. But all over the country, the fellows are attacking Asians, and I, for one, don't think we can remind people of this enough. So let's just get into it. Even though we, you heard this, maybe you heard this clip a few months ago, I think we need to hear it again. Nobody's fooling the Chinese language newspapers all over the country. When there are episodes of the fellas targeting Chinese immigrants, Asian immigrants, the, the new Chinese language newspapers, Asian language newspapers are very explicit about who's doing the targeting and who are the targets. It's the fellas targeting the uh, Asian people. It was just a couple weeks ago where in Washington, D.C., one, uh, one of the uh, uh, ambassadors at the, at the Chinese embassy in Washington put out a tweet Something to the effect of everybody knows that Southeast Washington, D.C. is not a safe place for white people because black people are, you know, violent towards white people. Susan Rice, President Obama's old advisor, she got all pissed off and said if she were still there, she would have kicked that dude out of the country for telling the truth about black on Asian violence. Shocking surveillance video. This is just lighting up social media. It shows the suspects literally just ripping off the homeowner's security door by hand, then kicking through the bottom half of the front door. Now, today, earlier in our newscast, we introduce you to one victim of a very similar home invasion. Well, tonight, even more victims are speaking out. And some are claiming there are hundreds of those kind of robberies, and it's happening to Asians in South Sacramento neighborhoods. So just because the Chinese language papers say it, that doesn't mean the Chinese politicians say it when they're in office here. I mean, how many stories have we done on black people ta targeting Asian people all over the country? Houston, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, Chicago, Cleveland. Lots and lots of, that's a short list. Lots and lots of documentation and don't make the black kids angry and white girl bleed a lot. But still it keeps happening and still way too many Asian people are pretending in public it doesn't happen when in private they know damn well what's happening. How about a little reminder from Sacramento? The problem is um, our community are getting robbed, burglarized. Um, they're getting their purses snatched. They're, they're getting, uh, folks are coming into their house when they're at home um, and 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 beating them up, um, taking money, taking jewelry. And now we move on to the latest example of the fellas targeting Chinese people and the, and the Asian people being in denial, deceit, and delusion about it, putting themselves and their fellow citizens in danger. Watch this video here. On the left side of the screen, you're going to see a man come from out of nowhere with a broom and smash a window. It's not just property that's been damaged. 
people have been hurt. ABC 7 News anchor Dion Lim joining us live from the newsroom now with some examples and some possible solutions. Dion? Yeah, Larry, that video is pretty hard to watch, right? This most recent violent crime, though, happened in the heart of Chinatown, where two senior community leaders were crossing the street when they were brutally attacked and knocked to the ground. All of it for a wristwatch. More than 200 community members packed the Chinatown Benevolent Association headquarters, fed up after this violent attack last week, where one of their leaders and another senior were crossing the street in the middle of the day and brutally attacked and knocked to the ground for a wristwatch. This kind of outrageous behavior must be stopped. One of the victims faced bruised and hesitant to go on camera, telling me today he now feels apprehensive being out in Chinatown. Supervisor Aaron Peskin says it took more than 30 minutes for an ambulance to arrive. SFPD arrived within minutes. As of last week, we've also increased our patrols, so there, we've extended the hours of our footbeat officers, so there's higher visibility. More security cameras will also be installed within the next six weeks. In a neighborhood with nearly 1,000 merchants, this response couldn't have happened at a better time, citing frequent shoplifting and other neighborhood concerns. In the Central District, there have been 221 robbery incidents this year, 14 of them in Chinatown. I have not had any outreach from the police captain at this point. Hopefully, we'll bridge that gap and um, get to know each other better. Listen, that woman says she, you know, she's getting to know the police better, and maybe that will improve things. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to yell. I'm going to get all excited. It's not a cop thing. It's a judge thing. When they catch the fellas, everybody now is down with the fact that the fellas are victims. So why are we putting them in jail? Why are we making them pay bail when they are the victims? So let's just let them out. This is something that every single person on the stage at the Democratic debate, Democratic nomination debate was down with the other night. Criminal justice reform. No bail. Let people go. And once you catch them, recognize they have a they have a history of 400 years of racism that forced them to commit that crime. So why are we going to put them in jail for that long? Bing, bam, boom. All of a sudden, you're back on the streets of San Francisco. That's what the judges are doing now. The cops can arrest these guys all night and day. Cops are good at arresting people. Please, sir. I want some more. But we've got to get the judges to figure that out. We've got to get the victims to figure this out. Man, we have so many viewers in Philadelphia, so many listeners, so many people so passionately attached to our platform. So I'm just down the road from Philadelphia. I don't consume that much Philadelphia television. I'm probably like a lot of you. I don't watch the local news that very often. Rarely. But we keep getting Philadelphia stories that are very illuminating. But this one, they kind of took a swing and a miss. They took a swing at the story. They say, hey, we sent a thing out to all these teachers. And we're going to talk about how nobody's learning in the classroom. And how the teachers are under attack from violence from the students. And how the teachers have to pay for their own school supplies. Well, they spent a lot of time on the supplies. They spent a lot of time on chasing the superintendent down who wouldn't answer them. They spent a lot of time talking about the process. But they really let the district off. 
they really let the people, the parents and students and teach and people who run that school off by just spending so little time documenting the violence in Philadelphia schools and how it's just one big intellectual dark hole because nobody up there is learning anything. It's just like Baltimore, except bigger. Entire schools full of people can't read over third grade levels. And this Philly, so these guys at NBC in Philadelphia, they said they're going to do this big investigative thing, and they spent their entire time not telling us stuff, walking on eggshells. It's too bad they had a good opportunity that they missed it, but let's take a few couple of seconds from that story out, just kind of as a memento of what could have been. Philadelphia school teachers say they're risking their jobs to talk to us. I have high school kids who read at a kindergarten level. They wanted to explain why test scores for literacy, math, and science remain low inside Philadelphia's schools. We're asked to teach to the test. They will come right out and tell you, you if it's not a test-taking skill, don't teach it. Some blamed classroom disruptions. Chaos. I can describe it as students running around the school like a pack of wolves all day long. Here's one person commenting, listen, they should have had me on here. Teachers are assaulted, spit on, kicked, punched, cursed at, slapped. Look, I get it. You do a story that affects somebody's livelihood and they may or may not want to be on the, on the air. But there have been stories like this in other towns, I'm thinking of Baltimore and St. Louis, where they got the actual teachers under actual attack We've done the story on Baltimore many times. That one guy on PTSD, he shuts his windows, he gets, puts the room dark, and he sits there and cries between classes because he's the victim of PTSD because he got the piss beat out of him by some black students once, a white guy. We got the teachers in St. Louis, ditto. There, I guarantee you there were teachers in that district who would have loved to go on camera to tell you how bad things are in Philadelphia schools. It's funny, though, you know, when you watch these stories, I mean, is it really news? Is it? I mean, today, we had our first snow. I'm sitting here at 11, something or other, look out the window a couple, you know, a little couple hours ago. It was snowing out. Okay, it's the middle of November. That happens in the middle of November. I mean, I didn't go to the window and throw the window open and start yelling out like Scrooge on Christmas morning. Hey, everybody, it's snowing. It's snowing. It's, no. And so when you live in, around, in and around the Philadelphia area, you've made a deal with yourself. You've made a deal with the devil. You are going to accept all these things as normal. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you don't have kids in the system, so it's even easier to accept the fact that those schools are one big hot chocolate mess, but I have nothing to do with it, so I'm just going to, you know, cordon that off, and I'm not even going to think about that or acknowledge the craziness that happens in these schools. Ditto for all the other crazy things that happen in Philly. People just sit there and shrug their shoulders and go, well, you know socioeconomic conditions beyond their control till it comes into their life. And then they're shrieking for justice. Just like the mom of the murder victim, Shellnagger, said last week when she was shrieking for justice on this podcast. And to anybody who would listen, 
before her son was murdered. Oh, yeah, she supported Krasner. She thought it was a good idea that all the fellas get the hell out of prison because everybody knows there's the only reason they're there in the first place is white racism. Then all of a sudden, some fella with a kitchen knife rams it into her son's back. And all of a sudden, now she can't really ignore it anymore. Can she? Okay. I mean, if that's the way we're going to live, fine. Ignore the schools. Fine. The fellas are in charge of the schools. Let the baby have their bottle. Ignore this crime on the streets. Everybody knows that's a black thing, but let's pretend it's not really a thing at all. God knows. I went to a, I was at a party the other night. Some fool tried to tell me, Colin, that's a white thing. Crime's a white thing too, Colin. I could show you all these videotapes of Colin. I don't know why. Why do people always blame college kids? Uh, Colin, I could show you all these people of co white college kids doing the same thing. And so I guess I'm starting to lose my patience with fools and so now if somebody comes at me with that i don't really argue with them i don't really try to expose them i just off i mean just cut it right down to the quick let's just have a bet on it you give me all these examples of all the white kids going crazy doing all this criminal activity and i'll match you 20 for one with the fellas easy i mean i could do it 100 to one but 20 to one He's the one that's saying they're equal. I'm saying 20 to 1. And we'll see who runs out of videos first. We'll see who runs out of examples first. We'll see who runs out of victims first. That did shut him up. You know, I see, you know, a lot of people use these podcasts and my videos just for these things, really using them online or at your family thing. I mean, I don't, you know, I. I saw a quote from Mark Twain the other day where he was talking about arguing with an idiot. I mean, you know, they just, they're just not, if somebody's all locked down on this topic, it's really hard to get in there and just undo what they think they know because everybody's locked. A lot of people are more locked down than they let on. So we're not really going to argue with them and change their mind, but we can expose them in front of other people by offering to make a bet right away. Nice and simple. Keep it simple. 20 to 1. You do yours, I'll do mine. You do one, I'll do 20. You do two, I'll do another 20. Let's see who runs out first. Let's make it a friendly bet. 10 bucks. No one has ever taken me up on this bet. I've made this offer hundreds of times. Online, offline, at the party the other night. You know what it does every single time? It just shuts people up. And it really makes a statement that one person knows what they're talking about and is willing to back it up and the other is not. You know, this whole racial thing, everybody get no, there's never any pushback, right? Black people are relentless victims of relentless white racism all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. That's why 99% and 99.99% of the mass shooters in America are white, Colin. If it's about race, there will be no pushback to come and say, oh yeah, mass shooters are a black thing. 75% of the people in this country, black mass shooters are black. That's four or more. If it's three or more, it's up at 90%. There's no pushback. 
idiots like this guy at that party the other night, on some level, he knew there was no pushback. I mean, I met this guy like three times now. I've probably asked him 15, just 15 simple questions. He'll be sitting there going, blah, 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 blah. I go, okay, what about this? What about that? What about this? And he always gives me the wrong answer. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not talking about opinions or theories. I'm talking about just a fact. She may have shoot her, 75%. Interracial violence, 90%. Stuff like that. Doesn't know anything, but he thinks he knows everything. So there's no... No, there's no mileage in arguing with that person. Just take 10 bucks from them and a bet, even though they won't make the bet. And when you win, they won't pay the bet. But all we have is facts. All we have is facts just happening every day. I mean, I think right now I could probably do 10 black-on-white murders. People who are in the news today, black person in the news for killing a white person. Why don't we just do three? Yeah, this one comes out of Philadelphia, a white chick. Found stabbed to death of her Fox Chase home. That's kind of a nice neighborhood. Just a fella. Killed a woman with an autism. Bing, bam, boom. You know, it is what it is. Asha, suspect is now being charged with murder and the stabbing death of a woman in Fox Chase. 35-year-old Jill Millman's body was found in the bathtub of her home on the 800 block of Bergen Street last week. Prosecutors say that 30-year-old Arthur Caesar killed Millman. Police arrested Caesar on the 600 block of Edison Avenue on Friday. He is also charged with robbery and other offenses. No word on how police tracked down Caesar. Down in Florida, some old white dude killed by some young black guy. Now the young black guy is trying to pretend that it was an accident. He accidentally took a gun, accidentally pointed it at the white guy, and when it accidentally went off, it accidentally shot that dude in the head. Boy, that's a lot of accidents, isn't it? Investigators say they found the victim dead in a pool of blood. Tonight, the victim's friends are remembering him as gentle and kind. News 6's James Barbero has more from Brevard County. We've all been crying. Since Friday on Sand Pine Road in Indy Atlantic, the Brevard County Sheriff's Office says at 940 in the morning, the 911 call comes from this house. 51-year-old male subject found in the bedroom, face down in the bed, blood on the pillow. Dispatchers relaying the final moments in the life of Jonathan Montgomery. John, the, the deceased, is a friend of mine. Jim Schrader, his next-door neighbor for 12 years. Jim also got to know who he says was a young friend of the family, 21-year-old Nate Hamilton. So when, uh, you know, I heard yesterday that Nate was arrested, I thought, what? Not Nate. Jim says he often stayed at the Montgomery house. Hamilton has a permanent address listed in Fort Pierce. The young man smiling for his mugshot, now charged with John Montgomery's death. The sheriff's office says Hamilton was here Friday morning and he had a gun in his hands when it shot off and killed Montgomery. Male is bleeding from the back of his head. He is advising he's cold to the touch. Hamilton faces a manslaughter charge. Deputies not saying much else right now about what happened. Nate was the kindest gentlest guy you could ever have met what happened between nate and john i have no clue another story from florida down in palm bay florida where is that i don't even know where that is somewhere it's 
It's on the east coast of Florida. They found a guy named Bobby Knight Jr., 61 years old, found dead. Just another one of four or five guys that were found dead in that area over the last couple weeks. This one had a difference. Yeah, it was a fella, old young fella killing a white guy. But really, what really got my attention on this one is during his arraignment, the fella started to laugh. We are learning more about a suspect arrested after a man was found shot to death in a car just five miles away on Agora Circle. News 6's James Barbero has more from Palm Bay. Yes, sir. The person of interest in one of the four shootings in Palm Bay in just the last week, <laughs> laughing today before a Brevard County judge. A man on the run yesterday, Palm Bay police say Larry Bell abandoned a car belonging to 61-year-old Bobby Knight. Police say Tuesday morning, Knight was shot and killed. His body found on Agora Circle in another of his cars. Looks like you're here in a fugitive warrant out of the state of New Mexico. Since the arrest, police update us 36-year-old Bell was also wanted out of state on theft charges. We wait for police to tell us if he will also be charged with the shooting death. Why wouldn't he laugh? He's living what Marla Newburn used to tell me was his preferred lifestyle. He's doing what he likes to do. Finding weak and vulnerable old white people, robbing them, killing them. And we see the universal reaction when, they, when, when something like that happens. Laughing, laughing, always laughing. Let's head down to, let's head down to, this could be, the, in its own way, this could be the craziest story of the day. I mean, if you just didn't know anything about a little town called Ferguson, Missouri, if you didn't know anything about it and you saw this, you would say, okay, that's pretty weird. Somebody pulls a gun during a peace rally. But here's, you know, but here, but one, you know, it's like, it's like nobody ever talked about, talks about the promise of Ferguson. So we know that Ferguson became notorious when St. Michael Brown of Ferguson was murdered by that cop for no damn reason whatsoever. The cop was just on a killing spree and he killed Michael Brown that day. You guys remember that, right? Well, that was the pot, that was the fairy tale the fellas were trying to sell to the local district attorney. He didn't buy it, but while he didn't buy it, they tried to burn that whole town down. Yeah, there were riots. We captured a lot of the riots on video. Lots and lots of fellas burning down a lot of stuff. We didn't. We captured it not just on video. We captured the cops talking to each other. So we don't have to cover that ground here again. Everybody knows that there was bad business in Ferguson, but after a month or two, the district attorney in Ferguson comes out and says, you know what? Uh, hey, I'm down with you fellas. I know that guy, that cop was on a killing spree. But you know what? We just don't have the evidence. Try him for the murder of St. Michael Brown. Of State got involved. Same thing. No, man, we just can't get that slippery weasel of a cop for killing St. Michael Brown, Ferguson. But then everybody, everybody knew what the trump card was. Everybody knew what their ace up the hole was. And the hole was, it was Eric Holder. 
the Obama people had come to tra- to uh, to Michael Brown's funeral. They sent people from the Department of Justice to remind them of no justice, no peace. You remember all this? That after six, eight, nine months, Eric Holder came out. This was supposed to be the greatest day for the history of the world for fellas in the pursuit of arresting cops. Cops who are always attacking the fellas for no reason whatsoever. This was going to be the red letter day. Christmas Day. I've come to the conclusion that media collusion is wrapped up in denial and deceit and delusion. It can't be true. Come on and get a clue. Because everybody knows white people do it too. I really like to play the knockout game Or leave your store in total disarray Disarray Don't hassle me Cause all your stuff is for free I didn't do nothing anyway Amazing Even though I'm 33 I'm just another team Don't report random argy-bargy That you see on TV Cause you know through and through All you're gonna do is make the black kids angry It's not mob violence, it's just a fight Bella's blowing off a little steam Some midnight basketball will be just fine In the middle of our quiet, safe community Always getting picked on for no reason whatsoever That explains everything now until forever It really doesn't matter what happened to you Cause what they said I did, I didn't do Even though I'm 33, I'm just another team Talk about the violent fellas or the lovely lady Cause you know through and through All you're gonna do is make the black kids angry And then Eric Holder came out and pulled the greatest bait and switch in the history of this republic and I don't even think to this day a lot of people who were at that press conference figured it out or a lot of people in Ferguson figured it out. He came out and said the following. Well, you know what? We can't arrest that no good son of a bitch cop who killed Michael Brown for no reason whatsoever when he was just sitting around eating Skittles or whatever the hell he was doing. But that's okay because we I'm, I'm not even paraphrasing by that much either, by the way, or exaggerating by that much. But, said Eric Holder at this conference, all the reporters are scribbling and getting their phone, iPhone recorders. But, we found out what's causing that rampant racism in Ferguson. It's causing all the fellas to get arrested all the damn time for no reason whatsoever. It's because in Ferguson, they write too many traffic tickets and parking tickets. And that criminalizes the fellas. 
So then Eric Holder make a big deal about, yeah, we're going to change this. We're going to change that. We're not going to give, you know, we're going to change the police department. We're going to retrain them. So they quit giving out traffic tickets and parking tickets. And once that's done, oh yeah, Ferguson is going to be one goddamn Wakanda. Everybody's going to be walking around like like it's uh, like it's some kind of fantastic fairyland. We're going to build libraries. We're going to make monuments to all the black na and future uh, NASA astronauts who came from Ferguson. Because once you start putting the once you stop putting the fellas in prison, once they get to stay in the hood, once they become a resource in the hood. That's when they get to become mentors and teach the young fellas how to stay out of trouble, stay in school, get a, get a degree, become an astronaut. People actually say this. And so I, I am sad, very, very sad to be the one to report to you today that even though Ferguson happened two or three or four or five lifetimes ago, maybe five years ago, nothing in Ferguson has really changed. Yeah, they're writing fewer traffic tickets. They have more traffic accidents and fatalities. They're doing few traffic stops. Oh yeah, there's a lot more crime in Ferguson. How do we know there's more crime? Because we got black people on the street protesting crime and violence and gun violence. And what happens during their protest? Somebody rolls up with a gun. A passionate group of teenagers took to the streets in Ferguson this afternoon, taking a stand against the violence they see too often. And they almost saw that violence again today during their march. Our Justina Cornell joins us now. And Justina, someone pulled a gun with this group that was marching for a peace against violence. That's right. And it was so scary to see it happen all right before my eyes. I just couldn't believe that this was all going on during a march where they were trying to stop something like this from happening. But the organizer, Hazelwood West Sr., Skylar Robinson, says nothing will stop her from spreading her message. What do we want? Stop the violence. What do we want? Stop the violence. Their message, loud and clear. What do we want? Stop the violence. Teens marching to stop the gun violence that's taken the lives of boys and girls in the St. Louis area. Don't talk about it. The head of the pack, 17-year-old Skylar Robinson. No justice. No peace. After hearing about eight-year-old Journey Thompson, who was shot and killed near a football jamboree this past summer, Robinson says she couldn't handle one more child dying. So many kids have died due to gun violence this year, and that's what really pushed me as a teenager to do something about this crisis called gun violence. Marching along the teens, Antoine Brown's family. Bullet came through the house, through his headboard of his bed, hit him in the top of his head. In September, the 15-year-old was shot and killed while he was sleeping at his home in St. Louis County. It just hurts every time I think about it. His family gets a chance to see that there's teenagers out here that's trying to put a stop to this and that there will be justice served and also that there's people in their community on their side. But the march was interrupted by the one thing they were protesting. Fighting interrupted the calls for peace when someone pulled out a gun threatening people. It really made me angry because why do we have people pulling up, you know, with guns and this is what we're trying to fight against. But Robinson says this just proves that they need to continue spreading the message. Stop the violence. This gives me more purpose and we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going because this has to be addressed and it needs to stop.
Now, we aren't showing the man's face holding the gun since he isn't charged with anything, but it was a very scary situation as children were standing right in front of him in the possible line of fire. There aren't that many white people left in Ferguson. It used to be a white town, maybe some 20, 25 years ago. All of a sudden, it went from white to black. But it's funny, the, the few white people left in Ferguson, a lot of them follow my videos and listen to these podcasts. That's where I got early notice of this protest in Ferguson. And so remember, it's not just whenever we talk about something, whether it's the Chinese in San Francisco, the black on white murders in Philly and down in Florida, or what's happening in Ferguson today. I mean, again, this is all tip of the iceberg stuff. This is just a way of saying, hey, don't forget this stuff's happening in a much broader way than when most of us realize. Now we got this district attorney who's just going to be kicking cases out of court left and right. What are the cops even going to have to do anymore there? You know what? That reminds me. Let's hit the backstretch with this story. Okay, so once in a while, I watch a show on TV called Blue Bloods. And I was watching it the other night, especially when I heard they were going to be doing a story. The beginning of the show, they had a clip about something, you know, they, what do they call that, ripped from the headlines? So in New York, do you remember in, over the summer, there were six, seven, eight, nine, ten cases of the fellas attacking cops and crime victims with, with water and, and big squirt guns? Do you remember those stories? There were about ten of them. We did a bunch of them here, so I don't even feel the need to repeat them. But I will if you guys don't remember them. Anyway, so uh, Blue Bloods decides they're going to get into it. I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I just watch these shows. I just want to see how bad they screw it up and how early they screw it up. But they passed the first test because they ran a clip, and the clip showed that everybody involved in the crime and violence against the cops, throwing the water on the cops as an act of scorn and defiance and assault, everybody there was a fella, okay? Then we switched over right away to the chief of police, Robert Se Thomas Selleck, and we get to hear him, and that's where this thing goes off the rails. Let's hear both parts, and we'll talk about our buddy, Mr. Selleck, on the way out. Yours? I asked you a question. Is this yours? No, why don't y'all get out of here? Y'all should leave me be. Hey, back it up. Everybody, stay back. Look, back all right? We're not going to bring you in. This is summons instead. Take this ticket, all right? Let's just go to the park. And the officers did nothing. That's right. Put their tail between their legs and got into their patrol car. They both got less than a year on the job. That's no excuse. No, it's just a fact, boss. We don't teach our officers not to fight back. We're not teaching them that, boss, but it's open season on cops. They should have arrested the guy on the spot. I agree with you, boss. We got the media and politicians hammering them every day with anti-cop stuff. It has an effect. And anyone complicit needs to be found, arrested, and charged with everything we can throw at them. We can put out a finest message to the troops. No, call a press conference. I'll write something up. I know what needs to be said. 
mean, the fact of life in New York is that, yeah, they have a chief of police up there, but he's appointed by the mayor and the city council. He does what they tell them. He spends the money they give him. And if they don't like the job he's doing, they'll either fire him or they'll change his budget. And every police, every, every police officer in that town, they all know the words de-escalate. So when this stuff happens six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, you had guys from the police officers' union come out calling BS on it. But the mayor didn't call BS on it. No, he didn't want the cops confronting the fellas over what that fella says is for what? Just a little bit of water? That's the mayor calling the shots on that. And the chief of police knew that was the policy. So now we got Tom Selleck trying to pretend that, you know, the mayor doesn't even, this town doesn't even exist. It's all him. And the, and, and the cops are not under relentless attack. And the cops are not under relentless threat of hostility and violence and worse. From the fellas. And now he's trying to pretend like, oh, no, we're not, no, we don't walk away. We don't de-escalate. We're a bunch of hard asses out there. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Whoever wrote that thing. And they were, turns out they were just getting started. That's a fairy tale. The cops in New York, they know better than to confront the fellas. It's a thing now. We de-escalate. We do not criminalize poverty. I don't, I'm not sure how you know, they could get that so wrong. It's not just two scared cops. That's two cops doing what they are told to do. Okay, so, but I gave him 50% credit for at least getting the felt that get it right that it was the fellas responsible for this crime, violence, and hostility directed at cops. Flash forward, same show. They got a guy sneaking into apartment buildings by ringing the door buzzer or following people in. So, we've done 20 of these stories in the last year, ever since in St. Louis, about 18 months ago. A woman demanded that a fella coming in behind her use his own key to gain entrance to their condo because that was the condo rules because they don't want people going into their condo without a key because that's a security threat. Pretty plain and simple, right? Well, every time I see one of these stories, we do it here. Of a fella going into an apartment complex. Usually it's like maybe in New York City, somebody's carrying some groceries. They kick the door open. Next thing you know, there's a fella sneaking in behind her. Or maybe it's on the streets of Philadelphia, a single girl coming home at midnight. She doesn't see the fella trailing her. She puts the key in the, part, in the condo lobby. Bing, bam, boom. Bums rush. They're in her apartment. She is raped and murdered. Yeah, that happens. We've done stories on that. I've never seen a story in the last two years, and we've looked at every single damn one of them. Never seen a story where the people involved in this was anybody else other than black. I don't even remember any Hispanics involved on the fringe. I've never seen a white guy do it. So, here's your challenge. If there are, but, but on this show, on the Blue Blood show, the guy who did it four times, he killed an old lady and he really hurt three old people. It was a white guy. White as you can get. I've never seen it.
So they're kind of like batting like one for three on this rip from the headline show. You know, we talked about this in, uh, don't, I think it was White Girl Bleed a lot. One of these rip from, had a show called Law and Order, where six teens kidnapped a Chinese woman, took her up to her, I think maybe to her place or somebody else's place, beat and raped her over a long period of time. I don't know if they killed her or not. In real life, that was six black people who kidnapped that Chinese woman. When it got to law and order, it was six white guys. We've done videos. Remember that show? Is it still on uh, Cops? I think Cop. Yeah, Cops is still on. Yeah, because every once in a while, I get an email going, Hey, Colin, watch for me on Cops. Probably gotten a dozen of those over the last five years. Anyway, um... There's a famous story from the producer of Cops, the guy who created it. He says that the big problem they had when they first got the show rolling, when it was a couple years old, they realized that everybody that was being arrested and on camera was black. So they really had to kind of like go out of their way to try to find some white people to arrest, to put on camera. They finally figured it out, but it was a totally artificial scenario and that scenario continues today. Cops today who were on the show Cops in the last 24 months are telling me the, the producers of Cops, are, they'll just they'll flat out tell you when they're filming you putting the cuffs on somebody, they'll flat out tell you, we need to find some white criminals up here. You got any? So all of this is what we do here, right? We expose the greatest lie of our generation wherever we find it, whether we find it on the news pages, on talk radio, talking heads, whether we find it on CBS Entertainment with Blue Bloods or Cops or Law and Order. That's what we do here. We do it without racism, without rancor, without apology. If you want to be a part of this, you can. I'm not going to give you a magic bullet, but I'm going to give you a couple things you just have to do. If you, if you follow me on Twitter, go do that. Well, Colin, I don't like Twitter. I don't give a damn if you don't like Twitter. Get your ass over there. Dittoforminds.com slash Colin Flaherty. Sign up for it and follow me there. Well, Colin, it's too complicated for me. You and good Lord, you think you're gonna you're gonna help stop the biggest lie of this generation and you can't figure out how to use minds.com slash Colin Flaherty. I mean, if we were recruiting an army right now and we were down at the recruiting base and you showed up and you told me that I'm the sergeant sitting down at the counter and you're the recruit coming in, and you said, Well, sir. I want to really want to be an army. I want to go over there and beat the Hun. I want to beat the Nazis. What can you do, son? Well, I can't do nothing except uh, I wash dishes. How's that sound? Okay, whatever. Next. So it all depends, you know, what you are willing to do. But don't tell me you can't do the simple things. We need you to do the simple things. Thanks, everybody, for sending me these stories, the stories you see in your local paper or the stories from your own life. Maybe something that happened to you or your neighbor or your family. Yeah, I love those stories. 
We should do more of them here. I got a ton of them. I should just do more of them. Those are things you can and must do. Share, like, subscribe, comment, send this stuff out to your friends on email. Go to my podcast, whether you get it on iHeart or whether you get it on any other app that you want, except iTunes, not there. Guess why? Subscribe there. Listen to the podcast. Give that out. Post out on Twitter. Post out at Minds. Post out on Facebook. Send that to your friends on email. These aren't magic bullets. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, as you know, if you walk up to the sergeant at the recruiting desk and you go, well, I would like to personally go over there and meet Hitler face to face so we could settle this thing once and for all. No, that's not happening around here. You're going to be one of the guys going out of the trenches to go find that machine gun nest and take it out. We're all doing what we can. Do the little things. Do the bigger things. And if you really want to get more involved, send me some shekels at my PayPal. Easy to find at colinflaherty.com. It'll say subscribe or contribute. Easy to find. Sign up for my email. If you're not signing up for my email right now, if you're not getting my emails right now, I don't know what to tell you other than that's like a really important small thing that you have to do. You didn't do. Why not? You're too busy. You're too important to do something like that. Yeah, we're all doing what we can. That includes you. Drop a few shekels in my PayPal. A lot of people cannot speak out. You can't speak out. Support somebody who can. So many things that you can do to move the dial. And we're all doing them together. That's what's going to make it work. That's what's going to move this, this thing forward. That's how we are going to chip away at the greatest lie of our generation, the greatest hoax of our lifetime. Really proud to be in this with you. If I have to remind you once in a while in a stern voice what you should or should not be doing, well, I don't have any problem with that. That's how high the stakes are. I noticed on my Minds.com page, people are getting a little bit loose with the vulgarity and the obscenities. You're not doing anybody favors, including yourself, by doing that. So anyway... Listen, we got so much to do, so many stories to tell, so many lies to knock down, so many truths to reveal, so many idiots to expose, so many heroes to elevate. We have our work cut out for us. Let's get in this together. We can make this happen together. Proud to be in this with you today. Even if that makes the black kids angry. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.